Well, slipper season is right around the corner, you guys. And guess what? Just in time, MyPillow has their slippers on sale. I love these slippers, you guys. I got them for my family for Christmas last year. You will love them too. They are layered and they are awesome. The first layer has the MyPillow patented fill in it. Then they have memory foam and then they have impact gel and they look like moccasins and they're awesome. You can use them inside, outside. They are fantastic. Check it out. And for a limited time, using the promo code Heidi, you can get up to 60% off. This is an awesome opportunity to support this podcast and an American company. Call 1-800-447-0541 or go to the radio listeners specials page at MyPillow.com and use the promo code Heidi. Welcome to Off the Bench. My name is Heidi St. John, and I'm glad you guys have joined me from wherever you are today. The goal here at the Heidi St. John podcast is to really encourage you to help you find your place in God's economy. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And today I am thrilled to have a friend back on the show with me. Sean Morris is here. We're going to come back in just a moment and I'll introduce him to you. But you guys, it's going to be a fantastic interview. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad you guys have joined me. I hope you had a fantastic yesterday, as I've been talking about all week at the show. There's a lot going on in the culture right now, and the world might be in crisis, but the church doesn't have to be. God's word holds the answers for the crisis that we're facing right now. It's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have Sean Morris back on the show. Sean is a pastor, an international speaker, and a kingdom entrepreneur. He and I have a lot in common where this is concerned. He is the founder and president of Family Dynasty International, and he's privileged to minister to multiple nations, planting churches and Bible colleges. But in particular, he has developed a deep understanding of God's plan and strategy of restoring dynastic families, reframing the church and transforming communities all to God's glory. Uh, I'm just thrilled to have him here. You guys are going to love this. Sean, my friend, welcome back to the show. Well, it's great to be back with you, Heidi. And uh, yeah, and again, It's a great opportunity. So thank you. Thank you so much for creating this opportunity. Well, you're welcome. I'm thrilled to have you here. This is a conversation that we've been having here, as you know, because you and I have had it before at the show Mm -hmm. for a long time, just talking about what in the world is going on in the church and why are we struggling so much to connect uh, what is happening politically, geopolitically uh, to the church, and you've written. We, you, you and I talked about dynastic families last time you were here, and since then you put it on a new book. So I'm super excited about this. I want to jump right into it. So we're going to start at the very beginning. And I would imagine for a lot of listeners out there, the idea of a family dynasty. You know, we think of the royal family, right? We all just watched Queen Elizabeth's uh, and the the pomp and the circumstance and the pageantry around honoring the life of just an incredible woman who'd served her country faithfully for a long time. And when people think of family and dynasty, I think that's probably the first thing that comes to their mind, maybe even in a negative sense. So, what Correct. do you mean by family dynasty, and why is it a good thing that we pursue it? Well, first of all, uh, I'm pleased you made reference to that. Um, obviously, being Australian, she's was our queen, and uh, we now have a king. Um, and, uh, of course, a lot of prayer uh, is going into that king, as also went into the queen. And she she truly embodied service, loyalty, commitment, you know. Uh, and she was a deep, deep lover of Jesus. And she mm. was very open and, honest, you know, open about that. She did not hide the fact that, 
uh, scripture and a biblical worldview framed her reign and framed her activities, which is profound. But the significance of actually the word dynasty itself, yes, for many people carries a negative connotation or in many people's minds, and in particular, of course, uh, you know, television shows and sitcoms have created a negative mindset to that. But we've intentionally chosen that word because the word itself really does have a deep root within a biblical framework. Um, and of course, as we know, the enemy is never the creator of anything. He's only the perverter, mm. you know. And uh, of course, if he can pervert anything that would distract the church and distract the people of God from embracing a very, very significant truth that will threaten his kingdom, he'll do everything possible to do that and to ensure that there's no way that that message or that truth will ever get out. And I think he's done a pretty good job, especially in the last 150 years. He's really shifted the church away from the significance of family and generational family. And I define, well, I'll come back to the word dynasty in a minute, but that generational family through to individualism. Um, and uh, individualism, of course, really, really is what our, is our pervading culture. Um, even in the church, you know, it's all about me, myself, and I. I call it the unholy trinity. <laughs> you know, me, myself, and I, and there's always one more, uh, you know, that makes them fall, and that's the enemy that's uh, in fellowship with the environment of me, myself, and I. Um, you know, and, and yet we see that even within the church. It's all about my ministry, my purpose, my mandate. Now, there's an element of truth to that, but it's never outside of First and foremost, the spiritual community, fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the context of his family. Secondly, as we actually begin to discover in Scripture, that was not ever intended to be outside of also being rooted into a family. You know, Paul in Ephesians 3.14 talks about that, and he says, I bow my knee before the Father from whom every family, and it can be also interpreted whole family, on heaven, sorry, under heaven and on earth is named, you know. So uh, there's the element of every family, every family. What's in a name? The mm. significance of that. And I think moving away from that, we've created an added layer of identity crisis because the heart of man was created to be in family. Mm. And so we've tried to replace it that, it that Christ alone and our identity in Christ alone actually fulfills that vacuum and that need. But I don't actually see that biblically. Well, I, I'm thinking as you're you're talking about the importance of family, which God is which you know God established, right? God ordained the family, yeah. and from the beginning of creation, this has been God's clear plan that this is, God works through families. I'm finding it very fascinating to see what's happening in Europe right now. We just yeah talked about Queen Elizabeth. I can't help but think about uh, the woman who's running to be the next leader of Italy, and this is her her focus. Correct. Yes. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting, I think, in many ways. But I'm so pleased you mentioned the reference to that from the very beginning. And I think uh, coming back to the word dynasty, the word dynasty in the Greek is actually the word dynastia. And the word dynastia comes directly out of the word dunamis, which, of course, for many of us believers should be a very familiar word found in Acts 1 verse 8. Um, you know, I give you tarry in Jerusalem, Jesus said, until you receive dunamis, power from on high. And we've obviously, uh, we've mostly interpreted that word dunamis as, you know, some supernatural impartation that's going to bring about some explosive anointing. But uh, 
having conversations with some uh, uh, Greek professors of classical Greek, actually, they began to open my eyes to the fact that there's a lot more to that word than merely that element of power. And in essence, it's actually the seed of what they called dynastic capacity or dynastic impartation. And, uh, and of course, that's when the research took a deep dive and discovered, oh my, this is actually the foundational word for dynastia, which is the Greek word for dynasty. Now we go back to Genesis chapter one. In Genesis one verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and you shall have dominion. I call those the levels or layers of actual dominion, of rule. And when we talk about dominion, we don't mean dominion in the context of lording it over or ruling over. It's a reigning in. You know, it's the whole story of Jesus and his parable of the leaven. You know, he said the kingdom of God will be like leaven that is kneaded into the, into the lump and it will remain hidden until it leavens the whole lump. And the significance of it is leaven is only leaven and the impact and significance of leaven is only unlocked when it engages the lump. Leaven can never leaven leaven, you know, and so leaven has no capacity within the framework of its own environment. It's only when it's kneaded into the dough. So that's the first thing. And secondly, leaven already has an impact regardless at what level it engages the dough. And so, you know, this idea that Paul writes about, you know, reigning in life, reigning in the world, reigning, it's not a ruling over, it's a reigning in. And I believe through that we bring the governance. But the real strength, the real power is that generational family, that dynastic family. And let me explain it this way. Generational family can often be interpreted as, well, I'm going to leave a legacy. Uh, now, legacy is a great thing, and it's a start. And I explain the difference between legacy and dynasty simply this way. I say legacy is what you deposit in and what you leave for the generations. Dynasty is what you build with the generations. So there is an intergenerational alignment with purpose, that family purpose. What's in a name? What has the, what's in the St. John name? What has God ordained as part of the redemptive purposes through the bloodline of St. John and then your own maiden name and that family and those two families coming together at this moment in time, bringing forth a new generation of children? What is God's actual kingdom purpose and mandate through that family? And so we, I frame it this way. I say that really dynasty the dynastic generational family is the single most significant governmental and economic entity in the world. It is the most significant. Secondly, it is the powerhouse of the kingdom. So when we go back to Genesis chapter 1 and we look at that, God blessed them. He blessed them. Male and female, he blessed them. Adam and Eve. You know, very, very distinct, clear partnership between a patriarch and a matriarch, that matriarchal pi patriarchal partnership that lays the foundation and that's the commanded blessing of God. And out of that, the first level of dominion, the first capacity to bring forth the rule of God is through their children. They are fruitful. Then they multiply. Their children have children. Um, that begins to unfold the next layer and level of capacity to bring the rule of God. 
And then they fill the earth. And that word earth in the Hebrew is the word eretz, which literally means can mean matter or spheres or territory. So what's really God saying is that I'm going to give you the capacity as a family to bring my kingdom, my influence within a territory, a sphere, a sphere of influence. And out of that, you shall then subdue. And the Hebrew word for subdue is very simple. It simply means to bring in order. To bring in what order? The order of the kingdom. To bring in the divine order of God. And then you shall have dominion. Then you shall have the capacity to rule over, to govern. Well, it's actually, as I said, more to rule in, but you have the capacity to govern. And I think it's been the lost truth in the contemporary church. We have digressed, and I unpack that in the book. I unpack that in in the first chapter. I talk about the three types of family and how we've digressed from a dynastic household to a generational household where we kind of leave a legacy and inheritance and we transfer it, thinking that it's about, you know, dividing that inheritance when actually the biblical aspect of inheritance is it's meant to remain consolidated, not divided. There's significant power and capacity in a consolidated inheritance and how that is framed and passed on to the generations. But we've even digressed from there to the nuclear family. And uh, here's an interesting thing is the nuclear family was not a biblical concept at all. In fact, Freud was the first one that began to speak about the nuclear family. So it was a Freudian idea and a Freudian ideology, sadly, in the context of a negative framework and a negative environment. You know, he put it in the context of a sexual perversion and all the rest. But Jung, Carl Jung, then picked up on the idea. And uh, he was really, really, it was fascinating to look at his study. And he actually made the statement. He said, the the Freudian framework of family, i.e. the nuclear family, is the perfect environment to create individualism and consumerization. And now we've digressed to the place where we as the church are defending the nuclear family, thinking that we're defending a biblical model, when in actual fact, the real power lies in the dynastic family, the intergenerational, integrated household that has the capacity through collective wisdom, collective spirituality, collective wealth, collective influence, collective relationships, has the capacity to actually bring forth the kingdom. And I truly believe that if we can mobilize one million families over the next 10, 15, 20 years in the U.S. that align themselves with us, within a generation, we will take back this nation purely out of the influence and the numerical and financial capacity that God will grace us with. It's such a fascinating thing to think about. I mean, you're, you're talking and I'm taking pages of notes here and circling <laughs> things and, you know, and, and making connections. And uh, one of the things I wrote down was this is so important for young families to grasp this yeah. idea that the that the the mom who's in the trenches right now or the dad who's in the trenches or the young families that are just yeah. starting out need to see beyond today. And it's so Correct. easy for us yes. just to, to get, you know, locked into what's happening today and to feel the weight of the world on your shoulders, especially given what's happening yeah. in our government and in our economy right now. And this is worldwide. Yeah. It's not just in the United States. This is an attack. Correct. And the attack's been happening on the yeah. family for a very long time. We're yes. going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, I want to really dive into this idea of the restoration of 
the world really begins at home. It's a fascinating uh, principle that I believe does come from scripture. We'll be right back. So, Sean, before the break, I was telling you, I think it's so important for young families to really grasp this. I mean, you you were talking about the nuclear family. I mean, certainly you see a reaction to the nuclear family right now because the nuclear family has been under attack for generations. The church, this failure of the contemporary church to address the attack on the family. But what you're saying is seeing beyond. I love that you wrote down and I in my notes, I wrote this down, the difference between legacy and dynasty. You're saying see beyond that. And you mentioned on the cover of the book and also throughout the book that the restoration of the world begins at home. I believe that it was um, Mother Teresa who said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Correct. And this this uh, this focus on family, which we have really lost years ago, I think 17 years ago or so, I did my very first interview with my friend, Dr. James Dobson. And he said to me, Heidi, if the Lord gives you opportunity minister to families. Family is where it's at and the world has forgotten yeah. what it means. So what do you mean by the restoration of the world? Well, um, in essence, you know, God's dream and desire is to is to see the restoration of all things. Uh, first and foremost, obviously, the restoration of humanity, first in its reconciliation of its relationship with him. Secondly, the brokenness, the dysfunctionality, the enslavement of the enemy, the destruction for that to be restored. And then thirdly, through that, to really see a mature generation come forth, i.e. sons and daughters of the king that have the capacity to then truly restore all of creation, communities, cities, beyond that, even stewarding the natural resources of the earth. So this idea of restoration it carries is deep within our creator, deep within God's divine purpose. But coming back to where do we start? Now, we can attempt to do a lot of those things as individuals, and we see a lot of that. There's a lot of ministries that have been birthed as a result of that because we see the burden we weigh by that. But the actual ability to over generations, because it's going to take, I don't think, I'm not 100% sure that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. In saying that, I believe we need to live as if he's coming back tomorrow. But we need to be strategic. We need to understand the pattern of God. We need to understand the framework that he has actually given that positions us in that place where we continue to expand the kingdom in a way that becomes an unstoppable force, bringing forth that restoration. And it needs to, and, it, and in many ways, it's going to take immense uh, authority, immense capacity, immense wealth, uh, you know, immense spiritual maturity and strength. And the only way I truly believe that that's possible is when we restore the intergenerational dynastic family. When we actually say, you know what, because if you think about it, think about what you've accomplished in your lifetime. Think what, about what God's already allowed you to accomplish, what he's allowed you and your husband and your family to accumulate in wealth, how that's positioned you. Now, I want to ask you, what would that look like if you were intentional about integrating and I had an understanding, we're given a framework and tools to build an intergenerational dynastic family where now that is continued. You, the next generation, if God graces you with a long life, which we believe he will, you know, if Jesus tarries, you integrate that with your grandchildren, possibly even your great-grandchildren. Where would the St. John family 
where would you be in your capacity, say, 50 years from now? If Jesus was to tarry, what does your family look like a hundred years from now? You know, um, what would the capacity and the ability of the family be to bring forth the kingdom? Right now, just purely from a financial perspective, you might have a net worth of, say, a million or two million or five million, whatever it is. You know, 50 years from now, your family could have a net worth of a billion dollars. What could be accomplished? by that virtue. And it's interesting because the word wealth in the Hebrew is actually the word chahil, which literally means virtue or virtuous force. So in Deuteronomy 8, 18, when God says, I give you power to create wealth, first of all, he was addressing a nation made up of tribes, made up of families. He was not addressing individuals. Mm. So I'm sad to say to the prosperity cult that's out there, That was not a promise to an individual. It was a promise and a command together with a promise to a people, a community, a family, a family of families, which really is the church at large, and communicating to them that I'm going to give you the capacity to create virtuous force, sorry, a virtuous force as you accumulate and are graced through that to bring forth, and he says, to establish my covenant to establish my covenant. So the capacity to bring redemption and restoration, but it begins at home. So first and foremost, it's going to take that intergenerational, strategic, long-term thinking. Secondly, it's also the place that as we establish that, brings profound reconciliation and healing. One of the things that we've experienced, you know, I've I've been a senior pastor and church planter for over three decades. But I have never seen as many prodigals come home. Mm. I have never seen as much restoration in the family as I've seen through the journey we've embarked with families in restoring their dynastic mandate, mission, capture their values, and reestablish what we call the table, the family table, and clearly communicate to every member they, you have a seat at the table and you need to take that seat. The restoration that it's brought, the healing. I mean, the stories, they are multiple stories in the book of incredible restoration. And then through that, the capacity of those families to restore businesses. And through that, even be in a position where they can take in those that God allows them to engage with orphans. He says, I will place what? The orphan. I will place the lonely in family. Now, we like to interpret that he means that the church. No, he did not talk about a religious institution. He spoke specifically, if you go back and look at the Hebrew words and the Greek words, it only and can only refer to the family as we understand it from a generational perspective. You mentioned uh, this remarkable story of transformation that occurred in Huntington, West Virginia. Tell listeners a little bit more about how that came about and in what ways were families involved and ultimately what happened in the city. And by the way, that story continues. I mean, there's there's actually we're actually involved with helping publish the book on the story of Huntington told by Huntertonians told by the mayor, the chief of police, the Mm. superintendent of schools, the list goes on and on, as well as individuals and families. But in particular, uh, 2011, um, 
through a series of different connections, God-ordained, providential meetings. I got connected with the mayor of the city. He had just been recently elected. The city was in a catastrophe. I mean, the Netflix documentaries had just come out on Huntington being the epicenter of the opioid addiction. Um, uh, you know, there were two documentaries that came out. They were shocking. Uh, and it, the city was in a very, very bad way. When I first visited it in November 2011, I literally said, God, where have I <laughs> arrived? I mean, where have you sent me? This is absolutely, you know, you, it's hard to comprehend that a place like that could exist in first world America. Let me mm. just put it that way. And, uh, you know, it was, it was in a terrible state. But the desperate nature of the city and the situation at least opened up a heart to look at all possibilities. And so through that, we, we run a consultancy and we largely have worked with, worked with major corporates, but we actually have a framework that we realized we could apply to the city that is framed by a biblical understanding of creating environments of human flourishing, um, socioeconomic approach. And uh, the city embraced it. They said, wow, this is revolutionary. How would this look? And then part of that process, we say we have to engage with the key influential families. And of course, then there was the story. Well, you know, we don't know about that. You know, most of them have kind of left the area and they've taken all their wealth with them. They've ravaged the place. And one of them has a major lawsuit against us. In fact, they've actually won that lawsuit. We owe them. Uh, it was tens of millions of dollars mm. bankrupting the city. And I said, well, that's God's dream, the capacity of the generational family, the dynastic household, the dynasty. So let's trust somehow that we're going to connect with those families. Well, cut a very long story short, here we are 10, 11 years later. The city of Huntington went from the worst city in America in 2011's uh, national rankings on small to medium cities to three, four years ago, winning within that same category, America's best community. Wow. Uh, the transfer, there is no economic modeling that uh, explain that. But the undergirding factor and continues to be the undergirding factor is God in his grace allowed us to connect with those families. I shared God's dream for them as a dynastic household, their importance in undergirding mm. his kingdom within the communities they're in, and it captured their hearts. Uh, and uh, so much so that the one particular family, and it's all in the book, actually, the story is all in the book, how they released the city from that debt, became major contributors in its transformation, mm -hmm. and continue now to be major, major players, both in providing employment, but also specifically actually engaging with major transformational projects at their expense. So amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, there's a, a couple of families that I know that come to my mind that God is using to restore cities, and uh, it's just a remarkable opportunity. I'm curious. We've got about three minutes left, Sean, and there are a lot of people listening to this who are like, okay, how do I do this? How do I start? I want my family to have that kind of a—I want to leave that kind of a legacy to build a dynastic family. Uh, where should we begin? Where do listeners begin to build their own dynasties? Actually, I'm so pleased you asked that because uh, I do have a, 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 a few pointers. And I think, well, first and foremost, I really want to encourage everybody. And, and as much as every author wants their books, you know, to fly out 
you out the door. There's something much more significant about this book. First of all, it is a, it's almost a 20-year journey. And we've walked, had the privilege of walking with a lot of families over a long-term period to see that transformation. And so the first thing I would say to folks is if you can get, if you cannot afford the book, email us and we will send you the book. But you can buy the book at the moment because there are a couple of big media outlets that are working with us. They want to do a national release of the book in spring. But for now, we're selling it off the website. So that's why it's not on Amazon. It's not any of those because that's all part of that project. They just believe that this message is, is going to bring such hope to America that it's captured their hearts. And so they're wanting to do that national release. So they can go to the website, Family Dynasties, I-E-S, so, so FamilyDynasties.com. And they can actually purchase the book. They can purchase a bunch of the books. That's the first thing. The second thing is I would say sign up to the newsletter. The third thing is email us. We have a number of different strategies and approaches. We do one-on-one -on -one consultation with the families that are in a position to be able to have that and for us to do that. We also run events where we have, we limit it just to 20 or 30 families and we have the team of consultants there and we do a deep dive with them. It's a full immersion experience, helping them capture and understand their kingdom, dynasty, family mission mandate, and how they can be framed as a trajectory for generations to come. And through that process, we advise them, we've connected with lawyers, et cetera. Um, and you know, how do you actually, I, I really, really am bold in saying, but how to bulletproof your family's future and ensure that you set the trajectory, lay the foundation, frame the family and set the trajectory for kingdom purpose for generations. Um, so that would be the next step. So buy the book, sign up to the mailing list, send us a message and we will, you know, the team's on standby. We will get back to you and we will follow up and keep you updated, keep them updated on we are actually in the process of preparing all the online courses as well. We've done a huge amount of recording uh, because we just realized that if, you know, and the vision, the dream that, that I wrote down more than 10 years ago was 1 million families building dynastic households aligned with kingdom purpose by 2035. Wow. That's a big vision. And you know me, I'm all about the big vision and the visionaries and God yeah. gives, uh, God gives yeah. dreams and visions to his people. Absolutely. And we need yeah. it now more than we've ever needed it. Sean yeah. Morris, it's always a real joy and a privilege to have you at the show. Tell listeners one more time where they can find you online. The best place is to go to families, sorry, familydynasties.com. So F-A-M-I-L-Y-D-Y-N-A-S-T-I-E. S.com, familydynasties.com. I love it. I love the vision. Uh, God's heart beats for the family. And this is all throughout yeah. scripture. We've seen this from Genesis all the way through the Bible. Yeah. And, uh, and my heart does too for the family. That's the, that's yeah. the foundation for our nonprofit organization, Firmly Planted Family. Uh, bringing hope wow. and restoration to families around the world. This is God's heart. And I love it to is. see uh, his people picking up the baton. So for yeah. every weary mom right now who's surrounded by, you know, diapers and, and, and toddlers <laughs> and homeschooling or the dad who's weary and wondering why he's doing it, God has a kingdom vision in mind for you. I hope yeah. you guys will check out uh, Sean's new book. It's going to be absolutely worth your time. Family Dynasty, The Restoration of the World. 
begins at home. Sean Morris, it's a privilege to have you as always. Stay in touch and let's do it again soon. We will definitely. Thank you, Heidi. And uh, let's take back America and the nations one family at a time. Amen. I love it. For more information on Sean Morris and his ministry, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com and click on the podcast and it will all be there in the show notes today. As always, I want to encourage you guys to join me at MomStrong International. We have a brand new study launching the first Monday in October. I will be teaching for the entire month of October on identity. We've got a family and a church and a nation in crisis right now because we have forgotten that we are who God says we are. Join me at MomStrong International for the entire month of October. I know you guys are going to be blessed. That's MomStrongInternational.com. Have a great day, everybody. I'll see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.